This episode of Roderick on the Line was recorded on Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? <sighs> Merlin. Man. <sighs> How's your tooth? Missing. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, <laughs> next topic. That would be in, that whole, in a week. You haven't time to fix it in a week? No, I haven't even called the Should dentist. Should we come clean? Know? I feel like we should come clean. No, no, no. Never come clean. Never okay. come clean. Stay dirty. Always stay dirty. That's right. <laughs> stay dirty, my friend. Let them figure it out. Uh, my tooth. I need to call the dentist. I should have done it today. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. So it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's it's a it's a big rainstorm today here. Big rainstorm. Yeah. You know, in the morning it uh, it was it was clear and and uh, almost almost sunny, and now uh, the big storm's coming in. Big storm. And uh, I have a, I don't know if you are interested in the weather. Mm-hmm. My my family uh, really cares about the weather. You're, you're, if memory serves, your mom goes pretty deep on weather. Oh, my sister's even worse. Oh, really? They, Susan. They, yeah, yeah, they just, all they want to talk about is the freaking weather. And I wouldn't, uh, so, I wouldn't pick, I thought, uh, I thought, uh, I thought Susan was more like uh, looking at the stars kind of situation. Oh, she loves looking at the stars too. Yep. Okay. Yep. Star, but, stars are kind of weather. Stars are yeah, that stars are like are what we call old weather. We're seeing we're seeing we're seeing a star. What a star look like millions of years ago? Isn't that no, mind blowing? You know, the entire universe could be just a molecule in the end of your finger. Whoa! Yeah. I know. So what's? I, wait a minute. So you're saying it could be in my finger? I'm saying it could be in your finger. The universe does not know where that thing has been. In, in the GMC RV. <laughs> We could we could right now be a molecule in the thumb of some giant being who has his thumb up his ass. Do you think kids still get tripped out when they think about things like that? When you go through that like stony, like first time you really contemplate the idea of infinity, the first time you wonder if we're all seeing the same color green. You think kids these millenniums, you think they still have those kinds of reveries? I worry to. that they don't. You have to. You I know? mean I, I But you got when- Netflix and you got the Snapchat. You know, they don't have time it's, to contemplate things that are that are recursive and hurtful to the brain. It's not, you know, I think that we didn't have them in the popular culture and so when you heard when you heard something like that in uh, in Animal House or mm. uh, when Donald Sutherland is passing a joint around and they're like, "Whoa." You know, it actually ha- had the force of novelty. Sure. And I think if you grew up, you know, soaked in stuff it would be a little bit harder to get to that place. But absolutely, the moment it actually occurs to you, I think it's still got to be like I have a terrible. I have a terrible time blowing my daughter's mind. I've tried so many times. I've been, I've been trying to get her freaked out about infinity for years, and she still, she still isn't freaked out by it. By infinity? Yeah. How does she... I mean, I still struggle with... Um, with string theory Mm -hmm, i think about it all the time and i just can't uh there's just some things i can't resolve yeah i mean does does p equal np this is a big this is a question i'll check reddit uh but we i mean you know multiple universes i mean you could sit and think about it at great length still still mind-blowing i think it's one reason i was so attracted I had very little exposure to philosophy before college, and then I read up 
I read some existentialist stuff in my uh, my gap year, and I got mm-hmm. very interested in philosophy because it seemed like kind of like uh, you know a universe in a finger with a graduate degree kind of thing. Right. Like right. the idea of epistemology was very fascinating to me. Like how do we know what we know? Right. That's that, that would just turn my brain. Maybe I'm just a simple farm boy from Cincinnati, but like that kind of thing would just bend my brain. You you uh, think therefore you are. I, I did a paper on Descartes. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I remember it had the, in the final uh, paragraph, maybe second last paragraph, it had this very memorable line. Um, so who is this guy we call God? That's the kind who of work is, I was doing in 1986. Who is this guy? You know, don't put <laughs> Descartes before De Horse. <laughs> oh, come on! Oh, God! You are dad. I, I really put that, uh, I put that in a paper. Oh, uh, no. Because uh, so I had a professor who allowed us to be creative, hmm. and uh, and I did a. Uh, this is in the history of ideas. History of ideas, and I did a song about Descartes. Was uh, it like <laughs> it was in the style of like Jonathan Richmond? I think I could really get into it. It it was pretty close. Well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the mind and the body, they're such different things. Well, <laughs> I think I actually said we can't recant this. Oh, my uh, God. There, there was a lot of that stuff in it. Uh, and, you know, and it was, you know, it was 1991. Like the, sure. The, the, uh, the other students were the like. Berlin Wall, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's fun. That's yeah. Fine. Oh, yeah. You know, there are a lot of things that uh, that that constitute an education, aren't there? Oh, yeah. Don't don't let your uh, school get in the way of your education. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Don't let your uh, ontology recapitulate your phylogeny. Said the thirty-year-old guy. It's the thirty-year-old <laughs> townie with the bong. <laughs> Things changed a lot since I went here. <laughs> <laughs> Being a radical used to really mean something, man. Mm-hmm. Play my tape. Mm-hmm. Play my tape. Yeah, that guy. Wanna, hey, you want to buy my CD? <laughs> Let me guess. Is it almost all reggae? Yeah. <laughs> I went to the uh, I went to the women's march the other day, and one of the great things about big marches. I mean, this is a while back. Sure, this now. is how, God. How many weeks ago at this point? Uh, but uh, but one of the great things about those rallies is that there is always a kind of um, there's always a. Uh, sort of a gray area. I don't. I wouldn't personally consider it a gray area, but some people clearly do, where they want to use that opportunity to uh, also pitch their their big program. Oh yes, every so, every demonstration, whatever is of any size I've ever been to. You could maybe call them fringe characters, but you get you got people with a very important message, and they're going to use that as a platform. Yeah, like in a in a big rally like that, like of course the labor unions are there, and they're saying, you know, <laughs> we want you to support the labor union because we have a lot of women in the union. Yes, you know, and and you can make a case like, oh, okay, right, this is a, you know, abso- absolutely right. Um, it's still. A, a co-optation of the idea, but you can kind of go with them. But there was there were a group of guys standing there, all men, by the way, holding a banner that said, "Support the the freedom struggle of Palestinian women." Hmm. And then they had a bunch of material about how Israel was committing a genocide. Okay. 
And it was like, hmm, all right. I mean, maybe if there were some women that were holding that banner, it might go a little bit further. But it seems like you just tacked the word woman onto the end of that. Right. Oh, uh, but, sure. Yeah. But they, they, there, they slathered on some woman sauce. They put some woman sauce on there. And then there was a group that was like, protect the elephants. Especially the women elephants. <laughs> Which was like, hmm, that's, a, that's, a, that's another iteration. And then at a certain point, oh, my God, I really just wanted to be. Because there was a certain kind of corner where the march was turning that a lot of these people had had arrayed. And I just wanted, I wanted to be in a, in a like, knee-length leather car coat from Costco standing there going, you, you want to check out my CD? You want to check out my CD? <laughs> it's all about women. Your leather cowboy hat. <laughs> all these songs are about women. What's up? I have, so, I have so much respect for women. I can only get it out on the Philips compact disc format. It's all in there. It's all, I definitely have respect for women. 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 They are somebody. Sometimes they confuse, but they know the news, women. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Oh. oh. <laughs> Break my heart and make me fart their women. <laughs> This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Casper. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting casper.com slash supertrain. Casper is the company focused on sleep, and they are dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spent a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure it's the best it can possibly be, and that's why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans, with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So you ask yourself, what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? Well, I'll tell you. They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the U.S., and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews... And an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Good for you, Casper. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver your mattress directly to your door. And if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. We are a Casper family. I know whereof I speak. My wife and I sleep on a Casper. My daughter sleeps on a Casper. We just love them. Anytime I travel, I'm so looking forward to getting home to my Casper mattress. So join me, please. Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. You can get $50 towards select mattress purchases by visiting casper.com slash supertrain and using the very special offer code supertrain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Casper for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's true. It shows you how fractured things are. Things are fractured. Things feel very fractured right now. Oh, they're so fractured. They're very fractured. You'll remember a few, a few weeks ago there was a problem with the Congress. Um, I don't even remember how long ago it was. And I was telling you, uh, I was telling you in the uh, after show, in the dark, dark yeah. show, dark, yeah, the dark uh, show. Yeah, you can only um, get to it through tour. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't listen to dark uh, Roderick on the line. Roderick on the line after dark. Because it's only available to subscribers. <laughs> but um, please remember to like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I was co- counseling you not to not to follow, not not to fret <clears throat> not to fret about the Congress not to fall not even to follow that story. Yeah, uh, but I know it's hard. I know it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, 
What did you now? Okay, so you went to this march. Did you go to the big one last year? Uh, last year, I had a little bit of a complication that kept me out of the march. Okay, but but um, you went this year. What are your impressions of the uh, of the march? Um, once the How, march how's your got, tooth? <laughs> Should we uh, pivot? <laughs> once the march got going, I was you know it's it's really exciting. Like mm-hmm. there's a lo- there's a lot about that march moving forward that felt exactly how you would hope it would feel. Well, right? A lot of empowered little girls with signs their dad made for them. Well, you know, there there are those. There's the there's the comedic aspect of it, which is kind of fun. But That's you know, fun, I was marching yeah. behind like several women that were wearing hard hats and they all had jackets on from the carpenters union. And they weren't marching as part of a union. They were just carpenters who yeah. had their hard hats on and were like, here we, you know, like, fuck yeah, this is exactly kind of the story that they're telling a story by their presence. And that story is a story that, that often gets neglected. Like you don't, we don't as a, we don't typically look at a construction site and, and, see into it it's just a buildings are getting built and we don't see who's there and we don't see the inner inner politics and when we talk about uh equal pay for equal work or we talk about the workplace we kind of typically picture of an office environment yeah but i mean also i mean at first i want to stipulate i am not making fun of these movements or of this march i'm i'm merely groaning about the situation in life but you know you think about go back to flash dance and it was like oh it's a sexy lady with long hair who's a welder it was more that that kind of story you know, I mean, part, part of the part of the I don't, I don't mean to stop your story, but part of it is that like it feels like so many of the amazing uh, and, and wonderful and overdue changes that have happened in the last five to 15 years are widely ad- adopted and loved by 90 percent of the people on our side of the aisle. And so many of those changes are are so threatening as to be deniable to people on the other side of the aisle. But but this is a this is a good example of one that I feel like there's no one in America on either side of the aisle. 98% of the people in America, I think, would look at uh at one of these women in her hard hat with her union jacket on and go, "Yeah, fuck yeah." Right? There's no one in America anymore that thinks there shouldn't be female carpenters. Right? Um, and I think that everyone in, you know, the most conservative voter in Alabama um, is not going to I mean, there there are going to be people they are going to be dicks and and like they're going to be dicks who no matter what their political affiliation, mm-hmm. when a when a woman shows up to do the work on their kitchen, they're going to go, oh, a woman's doing this job. <laughs> right. You know, there and the, and there are going to be dicks that are both men and women that do that. I mean, I'm sure that there are women that open the door to their house, and there's a woman carpenter standing there, and they say, "Oh, I expected a man." Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing is just a sort of cultural, like ignorance or not ignorance. It's just a, like a cultural. Well, so partly it's a lack of exposure. I mean, lack you, of exposure. If you've got right. if you've got some Richard Scarry idea in your head from the late 1960s, it's understandable that that's a little bit shocking. It doesn't mean that you hate it, but it, yeah, it could right. certainly at least be shocking. Yeah, right. It's like lowly worm yeah. shows up to do your kitchen work, and you're like, you're a girl worm. Who lets that Mr. Frumble drive? 
You know what? Guy's got a lot of problems. There are plenty of cops in Richard Scarry's world. I don't know why they don't. But Sergeant Murphy is just as careless. He literally rides a motorcycle onto a plane full of people. You're right. You're right. So so, something doesn't end up in that world. (laughs) But but the other thing that I saw in this rally that I'm talking about just people that were marching very close to me, there were two women in their 60s, and they were both about five feet tall, and they were. At first, not clearly a couple. They were just two diminutive ladies in their 60s. But one of them was holding a small hand-lettered sign that said that wasn't like a it wasn't even a sign. It was just kind of like a a piece of notebook paper that she had written on and laminated. Mm -hmm. And it said, we're not going back. Mm -hmm. And as the as the march progressed, I realized. Oh, my God, they're they're married and they give every indication of having been together for 40 years. You know, they're, they have the comfort uh, uh, with one another that just is like, it seems like they've probably been together for a long, long time and they're not demonstrative. They're not even really holding hands. They're just walking together with this sign. We're not going back. And it was, you know, so so powerful, and I and I honestly believe, having traveled as much as I've been lucky to do in America and around the world, that most people on either side of the political aisle, confronted with these two actual human beings, yeah. are not going to be against it. Yeah. The people that are against gay marriage are against it because. They're against an idea that they think, and they're against a, a notion that we're trying to cram it down their throats. Or I mean, it, I mean, feels, it feels like a, like a threat to their idea of what a family is, which, which they would say delegitimizes their... It's, again, it's like Ghostbusters. It's like, you're ruining my childhood by being married. <laughs> right. But if they were living in a place where they knew these two, and there are couples like this in, in Alabama, just like there are in Seattle. Yeah, 100%. Um, when confronted with actual people, pretty much everybody, with the exception of a few crazy zealots, is going to look at them and go, oh, well, I mean, I make an exception for my for my aunt and her friend. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. You know, like, and it's not the perfect- well, Especially because they're, they're not too vocal about it, maybe. Yeah, There's exactly. that sort of like, well there's, well, there's this one guy I work with who's really nice, and he's nearing retirement age, and I'm pretty sure he's, you know, special. Yeah. But uh, he, he gets a pass because he's real low-key about it. He's not in my face about it. And it's not the perfect world that we would, that we I, uh, on in the left like idealize, where everyone is absolutely like completely forward facing about who they are and accepted broadly by everyone. You know, it 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 is a kind of uh, on the right side of the aisle. There is this. There's all this tremendous kind of like what we what we think of as prehistoric social thinking. But confronted by actual people, yeah. pretty much everybody is like, you cannot deny a thing like that. You can't look at them and, and say to their face, like, no, you're not, you should not be entitled to this. You should not be entitled to this happiness. You, there was, nobody would ever stand in front of those people. I mean, on the one hand, you get the idea of some kind of Richard Spencer type, like yelling at them. But like after having a 10 minute, 15 minute conversation, maybe you're on a plane or something like that, you would never, you would, it would be a hard hearted person to turn to them and say, well, 
I understand what you're trying to do here, but this is antithetical to everything uh, that America is, and I think you're evil. Yeah, I mean, and you do see that. I mean, there are definitely parents that reject their own children. Um, fewer and farther between. I think what's I think what's crazy about Trump. I know we never talk about politics, That's but okay, here we I'll go. allow it. I think what's crazy is that he has finally given the lie to the idea that the that conservative politically conservative people are the scolds and the moralizing um like finger waggers that like, they're they're going to hold privately and publicly they're going to they have a standard that they will hold people to for a long yeah. time you would see that played out in terms of like well you have to make this cake you're not you know you you don't have to make this cake for gay people or you do not have to provide women's health care services because right i mean there's there's those sorts of things but then when you see what's happening with the fairly well documented allegations against the president it just doesn't seem to matter. Mike Pence is totally cool with it. It just doesn't matter, right? I mean, it's no. not like it's not even that that uh, Trump w- had relationships with sex workers while he while his wife was pregnant. Yeah, for, like, for, he had a four month old son. Uh, Trump is famous for for riding on that private jet, but with that pedophile guy, yeah, who who uh, you know would like, get like teenagers, like. And I mean, for, he was the source of a lot of the New York Post stories about Marla Maples. I mean, he was the one that encouraged her to go out and say it was the best best sex I've ever had. He, he, <laughs> he thrives in that environment of people thinking he's a very competent horn dog. But I think it's really interesting because during the Clinton years, when when Bill Clinton was being hounded for his uh, for his like dalliances and his his indiscretions and his predatory behavior we i think assumed that that was being motivated by this religious right that we've been talking about for for 40 years Mm -hmm. and that they were that they were prigs and they were pursuing this out of a sense of this sort of moral uh like overactive moral indignation. Yeah, but post-moral majority, whether you agreed with them or not, and I happen very much not to agree with them, you had to at least give them the credit of saying, well, you know, whether or not this is something that they enjoy doing, they feel by their faith and ethics, they are obligated to call these things out on anybody where they see it. Right, right. It's like a, that, it's, a, it's a kind of mission. And that gave some clarity to the division between left and right. Because we on the left could look at them and say and see like, okay, they are bound by a code that includes their religion, it includes their culture, and it is internally consistent. So they are a they are an understandable and worthy adversary, even if we don't agree. I mean, we don't agree with a lot of the fundamental premises, but they are acting. They're not, they're not, at least they're not inconsistent as far as we can see. I'm avoiding the word hypothet- or, uh, hypocritical, uh, hypocritical, but but at least at least on the face of it, it they, they may have been prigs, and I utterly disagree with them. But there was an internal consistency to their their asshattery. But it also contextualized us, right? Because as li- liberals, we were progressive, we were I- I- empathetic, we were um, <clears throat> we were the ones that were open minded, and now or, or maybe relativistic. Is another word? 
relativistic sure you could uh, see you would see the context in something and this liberal artsy thing of saying like well yes but yes but right. so we, we wouldn't necessarily see it as a zero and a one right and we were multicultural we were able to say like well we you know we need to incorporate things from around the world and sometimes these cultural differences can be advantageous um you know it was a kind of it, it, that was how we saw the social aspect of left and right. And that wasn't always the case, you know, back in the, back before world war two, back before the civil rights movement, the Republican party was mostly focused on economics and they yeah. had a pretty liberal view about what a person should be able to do in the privacy of their own home. A much From a more certain libertarian to, standpoint, it was a temple. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the Democrats that were all about segregation and they were all about, um, you know, the Democrats before World War II were not like socially progressive, they were, like, sort of the opposite. Mm -hmm. But now we're in a situation where the where the right side of the aisle has pretty much for the most part said, you know, Although we're Christians and although we, you know, we believe in God and country, we think Trump's doing a great job. And although he is like a coke fueled, like prostitute uh, abusing, like, I mean, he's basically he personifies everything that we would normally hate. He's like, he's like just, a parody of the late 80s. Yeah, we just love what he's doing. He's just he's yeah. sticking it. He's sticking it to the liberals. And that's what we love. But what's crazy is. The left have become the scolds. Like we are, we are in an era right now where the left is extremely moralizing and very, uh, very much like driven by a by a kind of collective energy that is, um, you know, that's using shame and using a lot of the sort of things that we would have forty years ago called moral majority tactics, I mm -hmm. guess, in service of a different ideology. But but uh, but it's it's a, a very strange role reversal because that's the thing. When I went back to my high school reunion in Anchorage right before the election and I talked to a bunch of my pals who were all golf pros and snowmobile salesmen and um and die hard sort of Trump people. Yeah. Uh, they were like, you don't, you don't see what's coming, bro. And I was like, yeah, I see what's coming. A Hillary Clinton administration where, where the world moves into the future. And they were like, no, 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 that's not what's going to happen. Trump's going to win. And I was like, there's no way in a million years Trump's going to win. Yeah, and even he like, didn't think he was going to win. Yeah. And they were like, no, 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 you don't, you don't get it. You don't see what's happening. And in talking to them over the course of a long reunion weekend, I realized, oh, they think they're the fun ones. They think they think they're hilarious. They think they're the ones that know how to party. They think they are the ones who have the real temperature of what America's all about. The sort of Ted Nugent version of what's fun and cool. And they looked at me and my culture. I mean, they know I'm fun, right? But they look at that liberalism and they think you guys aren't fun. You don't have fun anymore. You just are so uptight and you're so 
but, but uh, you know this this uh, this caricature of the left as being sort of what we used to say about the moral majority, just like no fun and caught up in the in arcane and archaic ideas about what people are. And I was just like, that was kind of that was kind of when I got off Twitter. I realized like, oh shit, I don't know anything anymore. Yeah. I'm complete. I'm I'm in the upside down now. <laughs> yeah, I heard something on a um, <clears throat> political podcast I was listening to this morning. A guy said something that uh, I thought was. It's one of those things where once you, you can't kind of can't unhear it. It's such a, a useful paradigm. Is th- there are certain kinds of issues where people rarely go back to their original feeling. People tend to only go one way. And he said uh-huh. he, he was talking in particular about DACA and how like once you know these people who are DACA recipients and like once you've once you've met them once you've talked to them. Um, you're very rarely going to become more strident about thinking they should be thrown out of the country. You know what I mean? And he, he also used the example of gay marriage where honestly, it, it, a big part of it, in addition to certainly, obviously, I mean, this sounds so stupid, but stuff like, you know, maybe Ellen DeGeneres, but stuff like seeing more gay people like on TV and knowing more gay people were out there that weren't dangerous pedophiles. That was certainly part of it. But another part of it was like, once you, it isn't like, you know, once you meet two women who've been together since the 1960s, yeah, <laughs> and are can be, and are very smart and charming. You don't go, oh boy, you know this makes me even madder about this. You you, you know what right. I mean? There there aren't that many people who start out pro gay marriage and then go the other way. There aren't that many right. people who start out pro DACA and go back the other way. I don't I don't have a huge filter for this. It's a two hour old idea to me, but I'm really interested of this idea. Like how many issues are there like that where once people get enough exposure to the actual people, um, they look at the thing really differently. I'm reminded of that Peanuts comic where Linus is arguing with uh, with Lucy, and he says, I, "I love humanity. It's people that I hate." <laughs> I I think I think that's absolutely true, and I think it is about abstract thinking. You know, the um, once you are once you're capable of seeing things at one abstraction, which by which I mean like not the people immediately in front of you, but you meet, you meet that couple that's been together since the sixties and then extrapolate that to imagine that there are more of those, Mm -hmm. um, that level of abstraction, because we here in Southern Washington, you know, that there was that McSweeney's article the other day that, that parodied, the uh, the journalists that are like going around talking to Trump voters was, and saying it was still- just literally the next thing I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. But there was one of those uh, here in Washington where some reporter went down to the conservative, um, like southwestern corner of Washington where they grow a lot of cranberries, and said like, you know, how's it feel down here now that, um, you know, now that we're cracking down on immigrants. And the sheriff and almost everybody they talked to was like, well, we want to crack down on immigrants because they are they're rapists and criminals coming into the country. But what that law has done is it like they came and got my neighbor, Pablo, who's right. a great dude. Right. And he's, he's, he's like, not a raper. He's been here for years. He was like. 
he was invaluable to the community. And then they came and got those guys that have been working on the. But they, they, they might they might say every single talking point that everybody on the left has been saying. Right. I mean, right. down to like he, like this, like this Polish doctor in Michigan who doesn't know Polish because he's been here since he was three. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, my gosh, you, you how could you send him back there? There's not even any place to send him back to. He's never been there. And you're like, yeah, that's that sucks. That's kind of why we think this is a bad idea. And but, that, but, and that, but they know But everybody has their Pablo. Right. But they don't extend it. Right. They don't right. extend it to the abstraction of. Of uh, and that's why statistics are so interesting. Like, I, I follow this guy on Twitter named Max Roser, R O S E R, who is a statistician, and he really stays kind of above politics. He just just looks at numbers. I think he's German, um, and he, you know, not to, not to uh, stereotype, no, but he's a German statistician, Mm-mm. and. Um, and he is, you know, he's always posting these graphs and sort of very interesting takes on on things, just just crunching the numbers. But you look at the numbers and it's like, well, I mean, my mom sent me something the other day that was like uh, immigrants from sub-Saharan Africa have such a greater percentage of graduate degrees. Yeah. I mean, they're like among far, far the, greater college graduation rate than people who are born in the United States. Yeah. And it's just impossible to argue with the statistics. Um, but it is, but again, that is an abstraction that it's, I think much easier for people to, to, to see the abstraction in the other direction, which is, well, I watch cops every week and every single person they pull over and arrest is black. So I can't believe I used to watch that show. Therefore, every criminal in America is black. Right. Because that's what's on cops. And um, that's that's much easier to apprehend than, wait a minute, the people that are immigrating to the United States from other countries are the best educated and best qualified people because it's really hard to immigrate to America. You have to put up with so much shit. It's insane. Yeah. And, you know, and even people that are entering the country illegally are people who are aspiring, you know, they are people that are seeking something great and not people that are complacent or lazy or dumb, you know, um, nobody makes it all the way to America and gets a shitty job from wherever they're coming from because they are just lazy, you know, mm-hmm. they're enterprising. But it's, you know, I don't know. I, speaking as someone who's um, a liberal, it's very hard for me not to feel like uh, it's not just that my views are better. It's that my views are more accurate. And that's... Well, maybe they're, I, at least in your own head, slightly better tested. Right? Well, or I mean, just, just they... there's just so much. There's just so much reckoning going on about strangers. There's just so much reckoning going on about millions of people who are disadvantaged culturally in a way that so many of that 32 percent or 36 percent are not, and yet they have found some way to find aggrievement 
in every cultural improvement in the last 50 years. Every, every time somebody who's not them gets something, it's a zero sum game. Like everything, everything that somebody who has always been treated like shit for their entire life gets is necessarily one less thing that they get in their mind. That, that tends to be the, yeah, it tends to be the feeling. But then, but then like today, oh, sorry, a couple, couple of weeks ago, um, the president has decided, you know, cause he's saving coal. So now uh, he's going to put a tariff on imports of solar energy things. Solar energy, mm. one of the, one of the bright spots, if you like to coin a pun, uh, one of the bright spots wow. in growth, like one in five new jobs, suppose something like that is, is in solar. It's going way, way up while coal's going way, way down. And now they're making it more costly to have this, this huge exploding growth, growth area that actually could benefit the people who still think they're going to be back in the mine any day now. But, and that's an example of a, of a thing that I think is really intriguing about the cultural divide that we're experiencing right now, which is that I think that there are a lot of people in America that will celebrate that event based exclusively on this idea that it's a it's a big middle finger to the hippies mm-hmm. and i mean i drove across the country a couple of years ago when i bought my suburban which admittedly is a hilariously um like old janky american truck and it, through the whole center of the country, I encountered many, many times those guys who are burning coal, which is they they put a giant smokestack on their diesel truck and they adjust the um, the mixture mm-hmm. so that when they slam on the gas, it just sends huge black clouds of smoke out of their tailpipes um, with no purpose other than to give you that Ted Nugent, fuck you. And they're not driving those trucks in the middle of San Francisco. They're driving them in Nebraska. They're saying, fuck you to the idea of a liberal. Um, There aren't any around them. They're just doing it as like, as a middle finger to people who aren't even watching. Mm -hmm. And that, that conviction, that, that strong, strong feeling that the real enemy is is this caricature of someone kind of not unlike you or I, um, but certainly like we're we are closer or more adjacent to this caricature than we are to the to um, to like the audience at a Darius Rucker concert, <laughs> but but. Um, this idea of someone with a college degree who thinks they're smarter than you, who wants to quote unquote ram down your throat, these ideas that, that really have nothing to do with the fact that you get along pretty well with your gay neighbors, but have everything to do with the idea that we are, we have a vision, which is of this, uh, this future universe where where there's no manufacturing in America anymore, that it's all been outsourced, and the government is in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. Except, take, take, take your guns away. Take your guns away, except that the government allows you to 
do whatever you want, include including be a, a pedophile or a or a like uh, sex with animals or whatever it is that they extend this uh, this criticism out to, you know, like this weird this weird idea of a liberal as someone who both wants to have complete like lawlessness on one side or what they consider lawlessness on one side of the world. Well, they want, com- they want it to be this like Caligulan uh, bacchanalia on the one side, even right. as they're taking away everything that gives your life meaning and joy. Right. So you're no longer allowed to worship your God. You're no longer allowed to salute your flag. We don't support the troops. We don't allow you to have guns. We tax all your money away to give it to undeserving poor people. Abortion having trans people. Abortion having trans people who are just living on welfare. <laughs> and this is the vision of the world that we that 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 they perceive us desiring. And a lot of us are dupes, right? We are leftist dupes of We have uh, we haven't taken the red pill. We haven't taken the red pill. That's right. The Jews are controlling our government, and um, and we are just like in thrall. We're we're in this kind of daze of um, of almost like romantic thrall to the idea of inclusiveness that is going to create a world where we're under uh, Sharia law. But I mean, it's, our, it's also it's almost like some kind of like a '50s movie, where there's a there's a working ranch, and some uh, sissy dandy mm-hmm. in a suit comes to visit, mm-hmm. and then wants to tell them how to run a ranch, mm-hmm. right? Or Com- like yeah, is sitting in the sitting in the um, sitting in a carriage, fanning himself with a with a lace hanky, and then telling you how to run the ranch while he's sitting on his ass mining Bitcoin. Well, in a in a way, it's almost it's closer to the character of the uh, environmental protection guy in Ghostbusters One, <laughs> the real hero of the movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> in the in the rereading of that movie, you know, yeah, he's the only good guy he's, in the film. He's the only reasonable person. <laughs> and the thing it's is, true, like, this man has no dick. <laughs> when you watch that film, you you're. Everything about it is like this guy is the worst version of a Carter administration bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. And the, the, anarchic- only way, the only way he makes money is by causing trouble and hardship for hardworking Americans. For hardworking Americans who are just trying to bust They're a ghost. Just trying to bust a ghost. It makes them feel good. And it's a, a politically a weird movie because those because the Ghostbusters are are academics and they're like devil may care. But they're really I mean, when you look at it now, sure, they're, they are, um, you know, they're kind of politically pretty Trumpy in terms of, of how they approach dealing, you know, dealing with government bureaucracy. Try watching almost any thriller from the last 30 years. The bad guy's always the administrator, right? Well, no, but also just the, the good guys. I mean, certainly you could go, if you go back to something like Charles Bronson, Clint Eastwood, but I'm talking even like, I rewatched Taken, which is a movie that I like a lot. I hadn't watched it since the last election, and I just watched it the other night, and I was like, wow, this is really, it's kind of a testament to how dads are right, and, and by any means necessary, we do what we need to do, because daughter. It's yeah. like, I, I mean, it's kind of, really, it is, it is in some ways very much like a death wish uh, kind of movie in a lot of ways. 
I mean, you know I mean, just like the, the but just like the the um, uh, not an authoritarian. What's the word I'm looking for? But like, oh, like in that movie, it's just like he keeps warning. Have you ever seen Taken? No. So basically, but I get Liam Neeson is this is this um, retired like ops guy right. who's, you know, now he's away from his, his wife and daughter. The daughter's going to go to Europe and he's like, no, no, you can't go. And if you go, you got to take this phone and answer my calls. A spoiler alert. She gets abducted. He has to go and find her. They've now drugged her and turned her into a prostitute. She and her friend. And now he's got to go rescue her from all these Eastern European baddies. And of course he just beats, it's a great movie. He beats the yeah. shit out of everybody, kills everybody and saves them. And then like you were shown that once and for all, dad always knew what was right. Sure. And finally that violence, that he has had inside of him all that time was there for a good reason yeah yeah i mean that's the that's, that's the, the lesson to be gleaned that's the cookie cutter thriller lesson right the yeah the uh the 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 quiet stern dad who's just uh, been pushed a little too far <laughs> yeah had the, had had the truth about the world the whole time and i that that libertarianism combined with that sort of i guess what what now we would just describe with with no other um, with no other conditions, we would just call it patriarchy or a patriarchal mentality. I mean, that's like it's riven through everything. Yeah, and there there was a time until recently where where our take on that was a lot more complex than it is now. And it doesn't feel like this is a time when we can afford to be complex. This is another thing that has caused me to to feel personally like it, this is just a time for me to sit out. And um, and it's because it's very hard for me to look at things and not look at them and try to see the complexity in them. And when you want to talk at least publicly now about ideas that are complex – you're immediately challenged because it doesn't, because complexity just doesn't line up. It's kind up. of revolutionary. Yeah, that's right. If, it, if it, we're living in a bicameral world now that feels very black and white. And so you can't say like, uh, you can't really approach anything, uh, at least publicly, at least in, in a public facing way without taking a pretty dogmatic side. And I just can't, I just can't swallow it. But, yeah. but, you know, in, in our history, a lot of the things that we look at and say, that's what is American, you know, that's what made, made us exceptional. That is what we have always talked about as the American spirit. And it isn't, uh, it isn't inextricably connected to white supremacy or to patriarchy. There, there are attitudes that are distinctively American that have made us proud for 200 years and that those ideas are like individuality individualism i guess more than individuality um and that can do spirit and that um uh i mean all that all that sort of uh go get them usa rah rah stuff but there's a lot of there's a lot interesting about it there's a lot that's true about it and and i think on the right side of the aisle they feel like they are the the inheritors or the protectors of some of those enshrined ideas and and on the left i mean the you know there are a lot of liberal patriots and i and i include myself 
-hmm. Like when I see people on the left say America is a garbage country and always has been, I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Like you're just deeply, profoundly wrong. And that might feel good to say, and that might feel like a like you're on the side of the well, revolution. I mean, it may, but it was an evolving garbage fire. Like we, the the strides were taken every few years, where things got a little better in one way. And no, they were not always good. And sometimes it does take a miniature revolution. But that's that's what is it the, the long arc of history, right? Is that like things really have gotten better in many quantifiable ways for a lot of people, and it's taken a long time to get around to other people who need that. And that progress was being made for a time. It's it's. That progress is still being made. It's weirdly, are... it's weirdly Putin-esque, though, to, to find this both sides-ism and go like, oh, well, you know, unless you were this kind of person. It's like, well, yeah, that was true, but, like, we're working on that. That actually is, that actually is getting better. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, I know that's super easy for me to say, but I think there's evidence out there that until fairly recently, things really were on, on a pretty interesting upward incline. And now, now I think it's just a waiting. I mean, I hate to cut to the chase, but a lot of it is just now a demographics game, demographics game. It's just a matter of waiting to age out the assholes. Well, it is, but I mean, I don't think it's easy for you to say, I think it is. I think it's a challenge to remind ourselves that if you watch the news every day and if you see, you know, if you see the bad things that are being reported in the way that the, in the way that they are, like, yeah, this feels like a time where we're falling back or whether, where evil is ascendant. But actually, but, things know. are getting better every day in every way. And the, you know, the rule of law is going to triumph. And I mean, what, what you don't think of is 10 years ago, all the things that, all the terrible things that were happening, all the people that were getting deported. All well, if we the, can survive 1968, we can survive almost anything. Well, sure. If, would survive 1985 but i mean i, I mean, think the, the it's, idea it's that it, yeah go ahead you're, you're breaking up a little bit you there oh i'm sorry the the, the recording hello are, are you are you a bit torning hello hello i hear you do you hear no, me no i'm i'm i hear you i think you're do you fine hear me yeah keep going i'll put a marker here and take this out okay i think you're all right I, I just, I mean, I believe in the American experiment. I don't believe that the United States is a trash fire. I think if you go back to 1780 uh, and you look at every other nation on Earth and uh, compare our founding to theirs or to their status then, and if you go back to 1900, if you go back to 1865, if you go anywhere in history and do a line-by-line -line comparison to what was happening in the United States... Uh, you're going to find that there aren't very many places that you can look at and say, uh, oh, wow, the U.S. was really evil compared to, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the, the United Kingdom abolished slavery a lot uh, sooner than America did, but sooner by a factor of 40 years. Like, it's not like it's not like Britain had outlawed slavery in 1500 and we were some kind of South Africa that persisted. Like it was an evolving process. And, you know, to look back at the history of America and say that we're, we have blood on our hands is only to fail to look back at the history of the world and see that everyone has blood on their hands, that no one, there's no nation on earth that is absolved. Um, the nation of Belgium continued to exploit their colonies in Africa until the fifties and exploit them in ways that would, would, you know, uh, burn your eyebrows. Oh, what is that? <clears throat> like the Congo? Yeah. What, the what's, Congo. what's a Belgium colony? 
Yeah, the Congo, uh, which is an enormous, the, uh, the entire central Africa. And they, you know, they were, um, I mean, they were brutal there, but nobody looks at Belgium and says like, Oh, what an, I mean, I guess the Belgians do and people in Europe that know that story, but the whole idea that like America is a terrible place is just, it's just wrong. We have been in, we have been setting the tempo for 200 years for the extension and expansion of rights to the greatest number of people. And, political rights and social evolution. Like it's been happening here and other people have, uh, other countries have been following in our wake. And I know there are a lot of Europeans who want to, who want to point to their, their own uh, country's contributions to that. But I think you would have a hard time making a case that certainly that, um, that many countries in Western Europe have been working on that project any earlier than about 1960. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, the, I mean, so, and, and the United Kingdom, obviously like a separate, they have a sort of separate dispensation, but they're, they're it's not like they've been a liberal democracy this whole time. But you know, it's, um, I'm just, I'm rehashing something that everybody has said every day for over a year now, but the, the part, the part and why, why I fret about Congress in particular is that, you know, whether or not what uh, James Buchanan, um, you know, Herbert Hoover, uh, Warren G. Harding, you know, mm-hmm. you, you got you got these characters that you run into that maybe aren't aren't, aren't the uh, best example of American exceptionalism. But like mm-hmm. by and large, most people who are in the White House at least bought the best lies about America. You got you to bring Harding into this. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> um, but at least, but I mean, most most people, whether or not Bill Clinton is the best human being, or right. you know, George. I mean, I'm not here to rehabilitate the reputation of George W. Bush, but boy, by comparison, I know, isn't it but, amazing? But but I mean. <laughs> At least, I mean, George W. Bush may have been a, a not very bright, dry drunk, but I think in his heart he probably believed a lot of the better truths and, and some of the more interesting lies about America that let Absolutely. us be able to get through it from week to week. And certainly you, I think Barack you, Obama believed it big time. Do you remember two years ago, we still said things like George Bush was the worst president Oh, I know, I know. Two years, and now he just seems like, oh, if we could only go back to to a day when the president knew which side of his body his heart was on right right but 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 so on the one hand though you've got somebody in there who clearly i mean setting aside all the narcissism and all that kind of stuff but it's somebody who clearly does not like the actual the real stuff that has made america great and has no respect for the agreed upon lies that made america pretty good he just doesn't care he's fine to burn it all down i'm even going to set aside the mental stuff for now but just even just the ability to like as they say you know he's going to be persuaded by the last you know general that he talked to as far as what he thinks from now on that's all bad enough like i actually think we could survive that fine but the check on that should be people who know better in Congress, whatever side you're on. And the fact that this is, I mean, I understand the whole basis of, there's a reason they call it politics. It's not Paula Friend. Like, I get that. But, like, there's just, there's something so upsetting to me about how you've you've got this... (laughs) Paula Friend, I'm sorry. It took me a second. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now. 
by going to squarespace.com. I'm a huge fan of Squarespace. As a listener of this show, you are using Squarespace right now because that is where we host the Roderick on the Line podcast. Thank you to Squarespace. It's not just for podcasts. There are so many things you can do with Squarespace. You can create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into a new website. You can showcase your work. You can have a blog or publish other kinds of text content. You can even sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or online business. You can announce an upcoming event or project. So much more. It's all part of Squarespace. Squarespace does all this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers. They have powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. The ability to customize the look and feel of your site, the settings, the products, and more. All of that with just a few clicks. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. They have a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 different extensions. They have analytics that will help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting, and nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Plus, they've always got that 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. We're encouraging folks to make it. You make it yourself. You can easily stand out with creating a beautiful website all by yourself. It's beautiful. You make it yourself. It's all in there. You don't need another person. You can just do it all. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. So please, right now, go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SUPERTRAIN to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. <laughs> but, you know, you just keep hoping, you know, you guys, you know, what is it? I, I posted, a, <laughs> I posted a, a really cool painting of, uh, of Cthulhu the other day with uh, two guys in a rowboat rowing away from it. And the New Yorker stock caption um, I gave to it was, well, let's not diagnose from a distance. It's like, how, <laughs> how, how, how far is it going to go before we say this is, I mean, is it, is it, is it the worst the thing that keeps us all up? Like, is it going to be little rocket man shooting at us? What's it going to be before people go, dude, you got to fucking dial it down. Like you've got to at least learn to pretend like you're the fucking president and like who there's just nobody doing that. And, and and that and so I guess what I'm trying to say is that like I am not here to whitewash and I choose that word carefully whitewash over the very problematic history of the United States but like there is a there is a self-fixing nature to America that takes a long time that I do believe in I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm always right but I do at least believe in that it's just that I don't believe that's happening right now and just even just look at the EPA. People are saying it might take 30 years to undo what's already happened to the EPA. There's stuff like that that is just like at a time when everything's just the environment is just crumbling. And the, the numbers are there for all of this stuff and nobody's standing up. I, I'm sorry, I'm just screaming into the wind. No, but okay. like, it's so maddening to me that there are not, they, everybody keeps talking about the grownups in the room. Well, you know, you got 100 grownups over here and over 400 on this other side. Like, why, why aren't they being the grownups? Why aren't they? It's because, well, some of them, some of them benefit greatly by being able to not get this guy mad at them on the internet. And then there are other people, I guess, they just, they just don't have the political will or votes to be able to do anything of substance, but like seriously, like what is it going to take, you know, to well, get us don't... anywhere to near back to where we could be to just even, even get back there, there. There's stuff that is as bad as the fifties and sixties right now happening. It's like, we lost like 50 years somewhere. The thing is that all any of us have is the news. And, uh, and one of the things that we always said about the internet from the very beginning was that, I mean, and this was, uh, this was often talked about as a strength in the early days. You would be able to tailor your news feed so that it fit your interests. You met your interests. 
And now we are living in a world where you can tailor your newsfeed and everybody's watching their own individual newsfeed. And the one that that people like us are watching is in full on panic mode all the time. And so it looks like a doomsday scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't an accurate picture, right? This whole like the EPA, the, the damage to the environment is going to take 30 years to correct. Well, no, it's it's. It depends on how you read what's going on. Like there is damage being done, yes, but there has been there have been a lot of improvements. the The damage, it, even during the Obama administration, we were still doing a ton of damage. It's not like we went from from Avatar to uh, to Blade Runner in two weeks, and then we'll never get back to Avatar. Like it's a continuum, and and progress is being made. So on the one hand, I just, I always caution, like you get into a news cycle and it news is built on creating panic in people. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard to take one big step back and not be in a state of panic because in fact, p- panicking feels like action. You know, it feels like you're engaged. It feels like you're doing something to mm-hmm. be in a state of, of like, uh, anxious, like uh, like anxious stress all the time. Yeah. But like my I do believe that with Trump there there is no putting that genie back into the bottle. Like something has changed. Uh like irrevocably. But what Trump and the Congress are, I think is a product of basically 50 years of ground game that the conservatives have been playing that the liberals have failed at. And it, it partly it, it, it is in the nature of the two animals. Like liberalism thinks of itself as an overarching worldview. Like we are the people that believe in the philosopher king we believe in the idea that if people are educated, they will make good choices and that we need to bring education to places. If people only were educated, if they could only see, then they would naturally be liberals. And so that's been our focus for ever since the civil rights movement. We need to, for instance, busing is an example of a program where we just wanted people to to interact with each other. We were, we were attempting to um, combat uh, the, the, the separatism of the races by like almost uh, force wedging them together. And this was based on, a, on an idealistic premise that we could educate people by showing them and that that was going to create this world. And on the right, they had a very much more pragmatic approach to American politics, which was they said, we're going to get people elected to the local school board and to the county council. And once we get somebody in there, then we're going to gerrymand the districts so that 
the district. <laughs> gonna, ex- once we get into the treehouse, we're going to pull up the ladder. That's right. We're going to draw the line now so that this district no longer includes any black neighborhoods. And the district is going to look like a, like a paint splotch. But that doesn't matter because we're not trying to create a world of egalitarianism. We're not trying to work according to a premise that all people aspire to their highest selves. We're trying to get political power in the Congress. And we're going to do that methodically. We're going to do that with a kind of military-like strategy. And when people were getting, you know, this is 25 years ago, we started talking about like, wait a minute, all these school boards are denying evolution. Who are these dinglings? But from the leftist perspective, we were like, well, that's just some small town, dumb little Oklahoma problem. And evolution is a widely accepted theory. Any smart person believes in it. And so we're not going to worry about it. We're not going to go try and put our own people on those school boards. We're going to assume that things are, you know, that, that our higher selves will win. And now we're living in a world where the, the Congress is not made up of people who you know, who uh, went to college, started a successful business, had an altruistic sense of uh, American political process, uh, fought in the good war, you know, and go to go to Washington trying to make a difference. We're looking at a Congress that is full of people that were strategically sent there to accomplish a pretty narrow mission, which is basically hamstring the government, limit its power, and return the right to decide whether evolution is true or not to the local school board, which we've already stacked with people. And that's the that has been the Republican game for fifty years. And they it's a just it's just a strategy. Mm-hmm. And on the left, we considered ourselves above that kind of, of like college football. Like ground game. We had none. Our ground game was all devoted to, uh, to, the, to again, this, this basically long history premise, which is the more educated people are, the more affluent they are and educated they are, the more they will take an interest in civics, the more they will, as you were saying, you know, once you have a complex idea, you very seldom go back to a simple one. But what we didn't understand was you can't just go in someplace, hand them a complex idea, hand some kid a complex idea, and all of a sudden that idea trumps his parents and his grandparents and his church. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we've done a very bad job of playing football and the political situation we're in right now is, is a product of that. And I think that, and the Republicans have done, or the, I'm sorry, the conservative side of the country has done a very good job of characterizing us as shrill out of touch because because every time we advance a really great theory we also it's very easy to 
to pick and choose among the theories promulgated by the left and find one that seems bonkers to a church-going person in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And then all you have to do is put that on your brochure and say, look what the liberals want us to do. You know, they believe that they believe that all kids should have sex change operations. And it's like, what, 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 where did you get that? You know, um, but that, but there are a lot of grandmothers in Ohio that that's all they need to hear. Yeah. So how do, how do we get our ground game back? I don't think that it's in the nature of liberals to have a ground game because we're, because we, that's not how we think. But we're, we have to acknowledge that we're losing in a battle between like, you know, uh, in a battle between a team that has a ground game. We're not doing a good job of convincing. And I don't know how to improve on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how to, how to get Neil deGrasse Tyson out to the world. And... And I don't think that an Oprah presidency is the way, but like, I do like how many women are running for office. Oh, it's fantastic. Seattle has its, her, our first female mayor in a, in a hundred years, basically. Yeah. I mean, I could just think of half a dozen reasons why that is a good and encouraging sign. Even in conservative places. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't, you can't argue with, um, female legislators i think they uh, particularly in congress i think a, a majority female congress would be such a different animal and oh it wouldn't my God, matter yeah wouldn't matter whether they were all anita bryant's i think you would see uh i think you would see a uh, just a just a, a different mentality yeah but i don't i don't know what to I don't know what the antidote to the present moment and the feeling that we are on the constant verge of war, famine, catastrophe, uh, funding our government for three weeks at a time. I mean, that's just, it's, it's insane, but uh, you know, again, it's not unprecedented. And as you were saying, it's not just in 68 in 72, in 1972, George Wallace ran for the U S presidency on a, Race, like a strictly opening, like a racist, uh, but I mean, you still had st- up until the, through the nineties, you had Strom Thurmond, right? It's bananas, right? I mean, there's there's there have there have been crazy, crazy, crazy times before, um, and I mean, obviously, like I, I was talking to somebody the other day, like movies in the future who want to cast someone in the role of the president of the United States, what are they going to do now? Like it used to be that if you wanted the president, even if it was like a science fiction movie or a future movie, you found someone that seemed serious. And now how do you cast the president? It could be, it could be Bobcat Goldway. Goldway. (laughs) Like you could have anybody. Right. Uh, So that definitely is like a, that's a trip. But I, I mean, every time I, every time I see, a bunch of young lawyers sitting Indian style on the floor at an immigration building, like frantically doing pro bono work to file injunctions. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded that this is a fucking great country. Oh yeah. Look at what happened the, uh, at the airports. 
when the travel ban came down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as as horrible as everybody felt about that, that was that was an amazing moment. And it's and imagine if imagine if that hadn't happened. Imagine if the presence of that kind of pushback had not been in evidence at that time where we might even be now. Well, and that's if it hadn't happened, that's where you look at your country and say this this place is full of decay and rot. But it did happen. And you and then you're able to say like I have faith in this. I have faith in in who we are and what we're doing. Uh, we should stop you know, soon, and I, I need to not be sad. We went to see, um, you know, an okay movie. It was not a fantastic movie, although it's a movie my daughter has now declared it was definitely her favorite musical and might be her all-time favorite movie, which is The Greatest uh, Showman, um, starring Wolverine. And it's the very, very heavily fictionalized story of uh, P.T. Barnum. But long story short, one of the kind of goofy narratives in this is like how good he was in some ways to like... P.T. Barnum? Yeah. <laughs> at giving like humanity to his oddities and like how they mm-hmm. made this family out of the bearded lady and General Tom Thumb. And and I swear to God, this is an actual thing that happened that made me feel so good. And I don't know, I can't tell if she's just doing this to make me feel good, but... There's this moment where, like, they're they so they're outside the Barnum Theater and they're being confronted and like menaced. It was like something out of X Men. It's all mm-hmm. these little, you know, all these local hoods with Donegal caps and dirt on their face <laughs> who are going to kick their ass for being freaks. Uh-huh. And it's like a shot of like Bearded Lady, Chang and Ang Bunker, the Siamese twins. It's you know, it's you know, and the Bearded Lady, and then it's like um, Zac Efron and Zendaya. The, the the beautiful slender actress and mm-hmm. and she's kind of like what what is what is what, what why is that a problem and I was like well you know what, what do you think she's like I, I don't I don't understand because he's rich I was like no no uh, because they're of different races and she she actually made this face like hmm? <laughs> and I said up until the 1960s it was illegal to marry somebody of a different race. She she looked like I just told her that like you know that that there was a secret chocolate fountain in her room she didn't know about like she just looked at me like well, you've got to be kidding me like yeah. I love that for her and I I, I I admittedly I'm looking for my happy place in this sad story but this is such a real thing um, it's not a perfect thing their kids are still dicks but like it is just it's pretty fucking cool to me that she's never had a thought that anybody regardless of their race or sexual orientation or gender is they're all cool to her and that feels encouraging that feels and i i I wonder if you have similar stories like that where there's no longer a case where like you know when i was in first grade my black friend was skipper because there was one black friend at my school i had a black friend i was like stephen colbert hey there's my african-american you know Uh, and that's not the case anymore there's not one kid from africa there's not like that one kid there's not even that one development developmentally disabled kid like it's just a whole bunch of different kids and like if they want to kiss that's going to be okay and that feels like a pretty big move over cincinnati ohio in 1976 to me i mean in my dad's elementary school, there was a black kid whose name was John, and there was a white kid whose name was John. Oh, God. And so the teacher said, well, uh, okay, from now on, you're Felix, as in Felix the cat. Oh, God. And, I mean, this is 1927, and my dad ran into him. I mean, they were friends. You know, they were Didn't they he were go tight. with, like, black John, white John? <laughs> no, no, it was Felix. 
they were t- they were my dad and he were tight uh, throughout school and then they hadn't seen each other in in 40 years or something and they ran into each other on the street when they were both in their 70s wow. and my dad said john and he said it's felix dave whoa uh, and he had been felix he'd been felix his whole life until he finally just accepted it because that's what everybody called him no, he didn't finally accept it. I mean, from the time he was seven years old, he was Felix, and he just, I mean, it, it never occurred to him to uh, not be Felix. But, I mean, he was, my dad knew him and had known him as John, but the the Felix identity had taken over him at, at probably when he went to high school. Um, and he was just like, it, it, let's, you know, let's just, not uh, I was about to say let's call a spade a spade, but that's not mm. good. <laughs> you win I this one, Robert. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> Thanks for yucking on my yum. <laughs> I don't <Shit>. think. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's encouraging. Uh-huh. It's not a black uh, and white issue. No, it's not. I don't yeah. think it's encouraging that your daughter doesn't uh, uh, can't comprehend it. I think it is the truth of the matter. Yeah. Like my daughter has never, and she's almost seven now. She has never referred to someone by their color. Could you imagine that? I mean, not when I, mean, I was... Maybe, maybe not people who are 20, they hear that and go, oh, gosh. No. I mean, <laughs> that's and, just the, how part, you would talk about people. Sure. And partly it is because we have... Because we're modern people also. Yeah. I have never said, oh, it's the black guy over there. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the reason that they... Uh, you know, the reason that they're using chopsticks is because they're asian well yeah i mean everybody i mean to just put a put a big cherry on it we were raised to believe that the easiest way to identify people was how they were different from the normal thing which is me i equals equals normal and 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 my daughter does uh classify people Mm -hmm. and her primary way is boy girl (laughs) but then within girls like um she has two little friends, and one of them is almost albino. She's so light. And one of them is from India. And the two of them are very close friends. And Marlo sees them as indistinguishable from one another almost because they're both the same size. They're both small. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, to me they look like uh, the black and white chess queens of a very small and interesting chess game <laughs> um, to to my kid, they are classed the same because yeah. they're both littler than her. Um, but it, so she has never even come to me and said, what's weird about this situation? Like she doesn't. When so much credit must also go to the teachers, staff, faculty. In the that schools. Case. I mean, but it, but it, but it is. This is the thing where I don't. I, I think, like, I don't find it encouraging. I find it fait accompli. Mm-hmm. Like we are better, and that can only produce. They are, they are better. Well, no, we well, are. We better. are too. But I mean, but I, I still have, I still have the memories and knowing my even my own behavior. Cincinnati was very, I'm going to use the code word, conservative town. <laughs> conservative is a very nice word for what went on in Cincinnati. Um, I mean, it's about it was, more than Larry Flint. But it sure, was, it was uh, a Ku Klux Klan headquarters. Oh, we had all kinds of things going on. You cross the border over in Indiana, and it's like, ooh, it's, 
Yeah. It ain't no Berkeley over there, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 strange though. It's uh, getting back to the Descartes and the fingernails. I mean, it is. It, it's super interesting for like. I'm not saying that they can't see that difference, but I mean, how different would that be from like deciding who your friends are based on like what color their hair is or like the length of their hair or like which backpack they have? It's like it would seem so arbitrary. Well, but I mean, kids are assholes, like you said. Kids say. are such assholes. Yeah. But you know, my dad's teacher called the black kid Felix. But my dad didn't. Did uh, my dad had friends of all races? My dad's friends. You play basketball in, with the Japanese guys. Yeah, that's right. You play basketball with the Japanese, and his best friend was black his whole life. But my dad didn't. Uh, that it would never have occurred to my dad to to say about somebody to describe somebody without describing them by their primary characteristic, which was their skin color or race. Mm-hmm. You know, he would never have said like. Oh, it's the tall guy over there. It's like, you mean which one? Well, the one over there in the red shirt. You know, he would have been like, it's a black guy. Mm -hmm. Well, so that then, then to you and I who grew up in, or to you and me, to you and me, Mm -hmm. the object of the object of the preposition to me who grew up in, uh, in that world. Like now when we're teaching our kids, we don't talk like that and they don't. That's just not how they order the universe. So yeah. when they talk to their kids, they're going to figure out a new ordering <laughs> that somehow corrects. We just know Gleep Glop by the color of his backpack. <laughs> yeah, the incredible mistakes that you and I make every day oh, when, when when we're <laughs> saying whatever terrible thing you know that that they're going to lo- roll their eyes at us at my terrible dad when I'm going to say, "Don't put Descartes before the horse." Uh, they're going to say, "I'm never going to say that to my child." That's so racist. I, I really want to create a new world for them. 